New on Curiosity Stream. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian. Tycoons are in many ways the lifeblood of society. They are willing to put everything out there. They're willing to lose everything. See how the super elite use their money and power to shape our lives on Tycoons. Plus, from Japan's unbreakable super code to the algorithm mining your Bitcoin, we're breaking down the world's most famous encryptions on cracking the code. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. TK, let's go, damn it, what are you doing? Hello? Damn you, TK. Damn you. Damn you all to hell. Black shirt gonna gonna affect my chair again? Mm, I think I have a good idea. You think you have a good idea? How about starting the show? That'd be a good damn idea. Look, my hair, my hair screws. Fantastic. No, you know what? It looks extra like um good today. Like it looks extra uh, good today. TK. Um, are we last gonna time do I a, said I had a, a lot of volume? Review? Today it looks like it's uh you know it's all going in the right direction. Oh my god. TK? Yeah. What about mine? Your hair is like always exactly the like your hair. I get a haircut every week. You really? Yeah, I have a membership. A membership at a, a, a haircutting club? Yeah. It's a hair- Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Miami Fades, and I pay, you know, a, a decent buck for a, a monthly membership, and I can go unlimited amount of times. I can go every day if I want. That's a thing? Yeah. You have it's a like the only place. Pass? It's the only place that offers that that I've ever heard of. No way. Yeah. For people with, like, short fades and stuff like that, it's, it's like, imperative. Like... No, but I think even somebody like me, that would be imperative to just go get a little touch up every uh, every week would be nice. Yeah. But like I don't know have what like, goes into organizing this. this they have like massage here. addict and they have, um, I'm sure they have other places like spas and stuff like that where you could do like unlimited stuff. But this is the only haircut place that I know about. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're talking about haircuts. So that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Well, you know what else is taking a big haircut right now? Oh, what a segue! <laughs> That's just perfect. Holy smoke, Canadian home Holy sellers. Holy cow. Look, okay, this is what I'm reading right now, okay? Yeah. Well, everybody, we've already talked about a historic housing correction is underway, RBC says. Yeah. And so they're, you know, they've changed their minds, which, of course, they're allowed to do. Um, but now our, our good friends, <clears throat> Better Dwelling, Canadian real estate is worse than official data shows. BMO now revises their forecast lower. BMO. Is, Everybody's just following suit. I'm not worried about the banks. Look at the bank's record. And they had a different opinion six months ago. And in six months, they're going to have a whole nother opinion on what they think the market's going to do. It's all nonsense. It's all I'm nonsense gonna, and opinions. And I'm we know where some, people can go for nonsense and opinions, right? The Canadian real estate show. That's yeah. You. God lots of that right. here. Look, I got, I got three charts I'm going to send you. Maybe we could share them. I'll email them to you right now. Although oh, they're cool. not the best because there's like some black whatever lines in it. Well, we um, can edit those out. This is perfect. Can you give me more stuff to edit, please? Can you send me more? <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, you know. Are we going to talk about them now? Do you want to like. Well, quickly, yeah, because Steve, is Steve in the room? He's in the room. Yeah. Okay. So but we'll that, get him on in like 30 okay. seconds because the, the July numbers, we didn't talk about that. We talked about this a little bit on the panel, but the July numbers show, and you can, you can pull up this chart, I guess this is probably the best time to do it. You can just put it in after the July numbers show a significant downturn in detached houses in Toronto in the month of July. So for example, between February and June, central Toronto houses. Okay. So February, March, April, May, June. That's well, the end of February. So four months, they only lost 14% as far as the average sale price. But just in the month of July alone, detached prices went down 17% in central Toronto. So that's, that's a why I don't 20. understand these bullshit. They, they're reforecasting lower than what's already happening. Yeah. Oh, the RBC stuff? Yeah, I know. Well, right. like they're saying 21 or 23% where it's 30 something. Anybody. It is total garbage. Um, 
but yeah, that's it. That's so that tells me that, you know, cause these other areas look, for example, new market only went down 2% in July. Mississauga only lost 0%, only lost 0%, didn't lose anything in July. Um, the areas that got hit, those were areas that were hit hard. So those other areas that got hit hard, like, like, uh, Ajax only went down 4%. Whippy only went down 3%, but they lost 27% between February and June. Right. So the places that got shook up the most were those 905 areas. And then now we're starting to see a little bit of a balancing there where the areas that were protected and was like, Oh, it's Toronto. It's, you know, recession proof and everything else. Those are the ones that got hit the most in July after the rate hike because they're just that justification of paying that price just wasn't there anymore. And that's something that um, we're Richard on our team. Kudos to Richard for putting together a, a beautiful chart here really gives us good insight to, to be able to help people. Uh, King, listen to this King, King. Oh my God. King. If you were hanging on for more money in King and you thought you were smart, you lost 27% in the month of July. Oh, what? Yeah. So the average sale possible? price, average sale price. So there, it just means that all the big properties, it's it's average sale price. So the big properties aren't selling. Well, that's driving down that average sale price. But seriously, if you were a buyer and you knew that the average sale price in King dropped 27% in July, how likely are you going to pay top dollar in August? Why would you list your house? Well, I mean, the people who are hanging on, right, are the ones who, who get hurt the most. And then I sent you a couple more charts. One oh, is just GTA I don't sales. Understand. Hold on a sec. Like you, you, you're seeing stuff in the media right now where it's like, maybe the Canadian real estate bubble is bursting or like the market is starting to like slow Show down. Signs. It's like, what the fuck is, where have you guys been for the last four months? Like, hold on. This thing is like crashing past previous levels, right? Everybody's sitting there going, it's at previous levels, but it is crashing through them yeah, right breaking now, those glass right? floors. and we're like we're talking okay you're what, what what numbers are we talking about right now july numbers yeah which haven't been released yet which haven't even been released yet this is the okay. first place people are hearing them but so these are so these are we we include sales that happen but don't close in these numbers yes why do we look at any of this stuff? Like <laughs> none of it is relevant. It's just a guide. It's just, it's just, it's just there to give people some idea on something that may be happening. This might kind <laughs> of be relevant to no. It may or may not be relevant to your situation. What I can tell you is we we're going to scare the living shit out of you with this headline first. Yeah. And maybe we'll make some sense somewhere in the body of this article, but probably not because we're not basing it on anything that makes any sense the truth is we don't really know but don't the more information really i can give you the more times you're going to click on my website and the more information that i give you the more times that the media is going to be picking up my name which means there's a chance you're going to open up a savings account at my bank because mm. that is the truth right mm. that is the truth yes where do you get the truth tk this episode is brought to you by landlord this landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're gonna actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient. And it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before. Like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it. I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free. Please click the link below for your free trial offer. Right? Mm, that is the truth. Yes. Where do you get the truth, TK? Steve Karish, let's bring him in. Steve Karish, who is waiting patiently for months in the waiting room. Oh, look at that. That's a whole that was family quick. full of people. It was quick. He's got like a good high speed connection. Wow. Can't make those videos with a low speed connection. No That's way. for damn leading, sure. Leading YouTuber in is this? He's in his gym. Canada. I uh, I thought I would do what seemed right for the show and go into my basement in order to uh, respond to the comments. So here I am. <laughs> Whereas, is, that, is that the lowest level in your house? 
This is as low as I can go. Okay, this is as low yeah, as you can go. Me. And obviously, <laughs> those are those in the background are just props because they're they're, they're no, not look getting at that much frame, use Steve Scott, are they? That. I uh, I actually just <laughs> set them up yesterday, so yeah. uh, they are that's not eight percent body fat. He's he's using he those eighty percent body fat. That's right, eighty percent. Bought those off of another guy who uh, is in dire need. It came, it came with cash. the house when he bought it. <laughs> <laughs> 10 hey. years I've been in this house and I finally got a room to myself. So my wife said I could have it as long as I put the gym and the office in the same space. So this is my new, my new setup. Fair. You guys are the it's first cool. guys to see it. Look at Good the job. backlighting and, oh, and it's probably true, uh, true seven o'clock in the morning. It is uh, seven o'clock in the morning. So are we soundproof down there? Or are we waking everybody up? Do you have young children? Oh no, my kids will be. If you hear stomping, it'll it'll be my kids playing above my head for sure. They're already okay. awake. You have young children. Oh, I do. My kids don't wake up until after one p.m. Now, I'm waiting. Which is a day. blessing and a curse. Well, it's tough to make phone calls when everybody's yelling at you to shut up all day. <laughs> I'm in the backyard a lot. Well, welcome to the show. Finally, Mister Karish. Welcome to the actual show. Thank you for joining us on our first ever all-star live stream. That was a resounding flop, wasn't it? <laughs> Just because I was such on it, a man. flop. Just because I was it on again. it. Oh, you, you brought he was on the last one, too. Here. He was just on the other side. He was on yeah, the, I, I got uh, to, the listener uh, side. I got to troll the comments last he time. He was the so only was guy making comments. Thank you for that. He's you brought us fights in the comments users. all the time. He's, he's resilient. Hey, man, you got to have a little fun, right? Yep. You're not, you're not you worried about it. Definitely tell that Steve likes to have fun. That's for damn sure. I how, love, how are things I love going, when how you are talk things... to your cat. <laughs> yeah. How are things asshole. going on your channel with all your videos and stuff? Like, how are you finding things? His last uh, one just went bananas. The last one did go good. Um, probably a conversation that more people should have to find out about what a real uh, variable rate is versus an adjustable rate. Um, something that's actually kind of worrying me a little bit right? People gambling on variable rates. Uh, but I think I've noticed a pretty significant in the last month and a half turn towards the negative coming back from people, right? Because I use my channel to meet people that want to do something in my market, right? Like uh, it's got commentary on what I think is going on, but for sure I want to educate people doing stuff in Surrey and the Fraser Valley in my market. So um, the negativity that has come on there versus what it was, you know, before the market turned, it's it's coming out. The people are trolling. The uh, I told you sowers are are having fun saying I told you so right now. So I hope listen, they enjoy that time. They found both of our channels apparently. <laughs> they found all of the channels. But listen, I mean, when you've been waiting this long to be right, you should gloat a little bit when things finally start going the way you've been predicting for twenty years in a row and being wrong completely. Yes, yes. However, uh, we just did. Uh, an interview, Tom Story and I just did an interview with Foch yesterday, and he was like, nice. I think to be a proper bear, it has to get worse than when I originally started saying it was going to get bad. I remember right? him so, putting that tweet out there. Originally. For most of the guys uh, that comment on my stuff, that has to get worse prices than 2008. So, you know, let's keep going, right? Let's keep going. And there's a big cheering section in my fan base that are like, 60% baby it's going to happen 60 70% and I'm going to be there to mop it all up. I don't know with what maybe the carpet in the basement. Oh. Well, I don't know. I I mean, I hope here's what interests me about those guys is like are you, do you actually have a plan or even when it gets to let's say it drops 80% and everybody it's can you buy now? No. Cause you're probably going to be in a worse spot than everybody else that already has the real estate now. So I don't know, maybe those guys have a million dollars sitting on the sidelines. They're waiting to buy four houses with, but I'm going to bet they probably don't. Right. Good point. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for you to be That's in the cheering section, because think about all the people who are, who are the bulls, right? Why are they in the cheering section? Because they actually own the assets. It, it benefits them. They've, they've got yeah. some sort of strategy. When my house price gets to this amount, I'm going to sell and retire. When it gets to this amount, I'm going to refinance and buy a cottage, yeah. whatever. They got their, their, that's all you rich section. fucking assholes propping up the market that you yeah. own an yeah. asset in. Like you dickweed. Yeah. But the people cheering for the downturn, like, yeah, what is your, is it just to watch the pain and suffering? That's a little some, sadistic. Some for sure are yeah. super I mean, sadistic. I guess if you actually, let's say, for instance, you think houses should be $250,000. Um, 
and you have $250,000 in the bank, and for some reason you're against mortgages, maybe you've got a point, right? I don't think you're going to be right, but maybe you've got something to hope for. But if you just, you can't save more than $10,000 and you're hoping that it comes down to that, like it's just never going to happen, guys, right? So I, I think you just got to put a plan in place if you want to do it. And then the other people, just it, it's okay if you want to keep renting, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so renting's good. Just be okay with that, right? I don't know. But, I think there, I think everybody feels this way. I keep hearing this and it's like, it's so misguided. Um, real estate agents are all going to suffer. Real estate agents are all going to be like, you know, getting other jobs and that, you know, we're all going to be like, unfortunately our business does, doesn't rely on, on the, the price of the asset. Yeah, sure. I know commissions and all that kind of stuff, you know, that that's a part to play, but no one ever comes to me and says, well, it's time to buy because asset prices have gone down 40%. And now all of a sudden I need an extra bedroom, right? No one ever says to me, well, it's time to sell because I love my home and I'm super happy here and I don't want to go anywhere, but it's gone up 30% in the last two years. Like everyone comes with legitimate needs, right? They say, Hey, I'm fill in the blank and myself and my fill in the blank need to be fill in the blank. And we solve those problems for them. And all those problems still exist, whether the market's up or down, it's just about navigating it properly. I do have a fair bit of people that are excited about the opportunity to upsize, right? Those, those people are there right now and they're going, okay, when is it okay that sure I lost from the peak of the market in my market, sure I've lost $200,000, but I'm upsizing right now. And that property's down three or 350. So I'm in a better position. So they're basically saying, hey, when is it okay for me to make this move? Right. And, you know, I think it's whenever, I mean, like you say, it's, you know, kids need an extra room. They need an extra room. There's no getting around that, but it, it's coming, right. The investors are going to start jumping in here at some point. We've got investors reaching out now that are like, you know, when does this make sense now again? And I'm, I'm firmly in the stance of like, Hey, not until we get to a spot where maybe we don't see an interest rate increase, but if that happens, I think people are going to start jumping back in. That's point. what I've been saying for a while is I, I feel like a lot of people are like holding a lot of their clientele back, their investor clientele, especially like it's not, it's not the time yet. And all the investors are like, like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? These rents are going crazy. Like I got to buy something like, but you kind of need to have cash right now because who the fuck wants to tie up a mortgage for any length of time at 5%? I mean, most of us do believe at some point soon, rates are going to switch gears again, right? So why buy something and lock in on a five-year for five years at five-something when you but think something rates we gotta are coming be, down? There's something I think we got to be careful about too, which is there's a really good chance that those people that are the haves haven't yet experienced any of the pain either. So they're still holding on to that thought. Like maybe it was this, you know, this is just the blip and it's going to go back to what it was. Right. My hopes are that it stabilizes and gets back into similar to when I got into the business, right? Like that 2010 to 2014 range, when I could tell you exactly by looking at the outside of the house, what that house is worth within $10,000. I haven't been able to do that since 2015. Right. It's like mm -hmm. this, like this, like that, like we had 2015, 16, 17, uh, or sorry, 17, we kept going. You guys dropped in, in Ontario. Then we had uh, 18, 19, 2019 was the worst year of my career. Right. Like it was a terrible year. In what was going on in 2019? <clears throat> um, well, we had the after effects of the stress test. Interest rates were going up at that time. Right. So 2018, 2019, it wasn't great. And then it started to pick back up again right before the, the whole pandy kicked off. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was all, that's what a lot of people forget is it was already doing good at those interest rates at the beginning of 2020. Right. Yeah. And now I think 2020 and 2021 were just the exact same year. So we're finally out of that. Right. But at the beginning it, of 2020, right before the lockdown, like there was mayhem. It was taken off. Yeah. It was going it, nuts. It was crazy. So it wasn't just January, the cheap February. Money. It, was... it wasn't just the cheap money that, that caused so much of the issue. Right. Yeah. And if you're feeling that out West and we're feeling here, you know, obviously there's something going on. There's something in the air. Right. And that's, uh, that's important, but you said you, okay, so just go back 2010 to 14, you said, okay, I wish we could bring back the market to that point. The average prices have gone up. Not price know. point, uh, but I'm just saying what the market I know, I know was that. doing. I know that. Yeah. I'm just saying, for example, the, the average prices were 
like half what they are today back then. Is that fair to say? Yeah, less than half. Yeah. Less than half. Okay. And yet business was still good. So the price yeah. of the asset doesn't mean anything for the real estate industry. Yeah. It's not about what they're selling for. It has nothing to do with that. So if they all drop 80%, like, okay. And we just, we just pick up from there. And then when you need to move, you need a bigger house and you want to buy an investment. Like yeah. you just, you just start doing transactions again at those new valuations. Yeah, but we're walking over dead bodies while doing it. Don't forget. Like it's, I, I understand. It's, yes, it's and great if you're out and you're not we're selling not and you're not it, getting you know. killed. Yeah. No, they, this is what's definitely going to happen, but it's not just like, okay, well, yes, in the industry, we'll all start making money when the, when the floor hits and we start selling again. <sighs> But there's going to be a lot of broken skulls and blood out there. I think. Did, did you enjoy, Steve, the market the way it was uh, earlier this year, where everything sold within as fast as you wanted it to? I mean, being on the listing side and having my buyer's agents doing their thing, did I personally hurt it uh, or, or hate it? No, because, you know, it was like, okay, I know when my offers are coming in, I can have dinner with my family at this time. Um, I don't have to do much. That's not true. That's, that's for sure not true, but you do know that you're going to have a plan in place and you know how it's going to go, right? You just do three weeks worth of work for a listing in, in a weekend. And then Monday night, you're six hours of trying to sift through 30 offers, right? It's, it's a totally different game. Now it's back to, you know what, I got to, here, here's the thing. We go from negotiating to back to negotiating against our clients saying, guys, they're bringing you an offer and there's no other offers out there. This is a good offer. And now, so it's either the buyers hate us because they didn't get the property uh, and it's our listing or now my sellers don't like me because I'm the one that they think is negotiating against them. But I'm trying to say, hey, this is where current market value is today. Right. I don't know if that answered your question at all, TK, but I think, Um, well, my question would have been, I would have reframed it to say, what about those people who came to you and said, Steve, I need to buy a property, but I'm not going to move until I can find the property I want. And it was like almost impossible to get them something. Yeah. And we still have those people now, right? The amount of subject to sales that are coming out in our market is insane. And it's the worst time now than ever to do subject to sale because if you're going to go purchase a property, you're going to pay that uh, seller to hold that property for you and not sell to anybody else. Now while I'm going to put my drop while the market's dropping. So I'm going to secure, it might take me 30 days or, or 45 days to secure an offer on my property. And now I've secured at a high and I'm selling at an even lower. It's a stupid strategy right now. So you, yeah. you know, it's, it's just the fear. It, it's crazy to me, the amount of people that will pick the, the possible financial disaster outcome over top of not knowing where I'm going outcome. Right. So you got 90 days to close. You got time to shop and see where you're going to go, but they can't picture that. Right. They mm-hmm. can only picture homelessness. And then, so they make a terrible financial decision, even though you've laid out all the cards for them and said, Hey guys, if you got to shack up in an Airbnb or, or go on your mom's couch for a couple of weeks, this is going to save you a hundred thousand dollars. They're like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. So yeah. I don't know. That's a psychology thing. I, I ask a very hard question. Like I always just, I joke around, right? You're trying to bring some light to the situation. I said, okay, if what scares you the most being broke or being homeless and give me an honest answer. Right. And a lot of the time, oh, we'll never be broke. We got this. We're, we're secure. Da, da, da. It's fine. That's what people okay. Think. Then you know what? Selling first. There's a chance you might be homeless. Right. But you know, you're going to be okay. Right. Or sorry, the, op- the opposite of that. Sorry. Uh, you, you can potentially buy first and lose because you're going to be okay. But mm-hmm. if you are like, look, I can't go and, and uh, be homeless. I, I got my dog, I got my mother with me or whatever. Then you got to, you know, re-strategize to make sure that they're not going to be in that position. So you always try to figure out where their scenario is, like where their pain points are. And I like how you just use the word homeless because that's what it is. They think like, I'm going to be homeless if I sell yeah. first. And they're yeah. so scared to do it. But like in this downward market, it's, it's an amazing strategy. It's like so logical. It makes so much sense. It's crazy it that someone, someone's literally going to risk, let's call it 50 to a hundred thousand dollars over top of finding storage for a week. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's what they're risking, but there's, I don't know. It's psychology, right? It's, it's people can't imagine that they'd ever, cause financially they've been fine. So they can't imagine that they're ever going to be bad at their finances, but there are lots of people that will pick that. I just had a, uh, a guy that took his property off the market 
we had an offer on it subject to him finding a place, which is the opposite of a subject to sale. Yeah. Didn't find a place. And I'm like, dude, no matter what, you still got to take this offer. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. So he is for sure going to sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars less if this interest rate thing keeps going up. And he chose that because he picked security over top of price. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's not like, you know, there haven't been people screaming from the hilltops for a while that this was coming down the pipe. I mean, forget about the crazies who have been calling for like a super crash for the last 30 years. But like, we all were asking each other, even on YouTube, like, this can't keep up. Like, this is crazy, right? Like, this is absolute insanity. So, so you did a video about 2008, uh, a week ago, maybe. Great video. I loved it. I lived through 2008, and I made some poor decisions. And, like, you knew something was coming. Right. Because something happened in the States. It was major. And there were months before. And I even remember having conversations going like, maybe we should just dump these things. Like, let's just get out. I don't feel good about what's going on. And I ignored it. I ignored it. And I kept going with the projects and I lost everything. And even while losing everything, like it was hard to like sell for those fucking offers that were coming in because they were they were so low. They were so like vulturous, if that's even a word. Like it was just, it was so hard to accept that everything was just caving in and crashing. But that's so, from so, the project side of things, right? Well, so you you have pro- a business plan of where you need to complete by a certain time and you're not going to carry that forever. But if you were talking about owning personal properties, what happens is so many people panic. Let's say they panic. March 2009, I got to get out, right? Because they think it's just going to keep going down. Those people would have held. They'd be richer than they ever possibly could have been, right? So I, th- I think it's a lot different on the project side of things. Where sure. I see the but, biggest but my issue- my comps affected the market considerably, right? And the, I wasn't alone. And this is kind of what happens. And this is what people are kind of waiting for. It's those ones that, you know, you, you can only shrug off so many anomalies before it's an actual price in the area, right? On the way down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. But it's, of course, it's totally different for a homeowner, but like business owners, like lots of people are going to be facing these decisions coming up soon, right? Yeah. I, even, even current homeowners who have to refinance their house in the next few months are having some serious decisions to figure out right now. They do. Um, and I don't know, I'm a little bit less, uh, forgiving when it comes a lot to a lot of this stuff, because my mindset is like, you have to have a plan, right? You have to know your finances. You need to know what the hell's going on in your life. And you can't just be like, Oh, the market crushed me. Right. Maybe in a, from a development point of view, when you're doing business, Daryl, it's like, okay, yeah, the market turned and we had these projections and now we're going to be here. But if you're the person that's spending on ridiculous stuff and saying, I can't afford my house payment, but my kid's also in, you know, 15 extracurricular activities and my truck payment is, uh, you know, $1,500 a month and and my gas bill just went like, I don't know, man, you got to take responsibility for all of those choices. And I don't think we have a society anymore that appreciates people taking responsibility for themselves. I think we celebrate victimhood and, Cool for nobody being a victim is ever getting ahead. You might get somebody patting you on the back saying, Hey, you know, sorry that happened to you, but you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're successful long term. So, these people that are in those situations, if you're going, Holy, my mortgage is up next spring, right? Currently, I'm at 2.79%, um, which was renegotiated, by the way, in COVID from uh, I think almost 4%. Because I renewed in 2018 when rates were almost 4%. So, but I know where I think rates are going to be and I'm going to go worst case scenario. And I have to look at that now, nine months out in order to go, okay, what the hell is my situation going to look like for my next five-year lock-in term? Because I'm a chicken shit and I'm probably going to lock in for a five-year fixed rate, right? Yeah. That's how I roll. Right? But why don't we, what is it that we can't just say to people, hey, man, you you got to take responsibility for yourself. I don't think we have that society anymore. I've got to go see somebody today later in this afternoon. And uh, yeah, that's the type of situation. They've made a lot of bad decisions. I saw them in 2019. I was looking at the, the folder and 
um, they were in trouble then. And uh, now, you know, it's like frantic call yesterday, like, oh my gosh, this and that and everything else. And these are the type of people where, you know, they will, they will end up facing the, the, the consequences, right? It's like, you know, you ha- where were you in February, 2022? Where were you any time last year? Like, where was the exit plan at any point? And like, why now? Like you were in trouble in 2019. You knew it. I, when I saw you, you told me your whole story. And all of a sudden you've made these poor decisions over the last couple of years it's- to not sell. And it's probably not your real estate that is the reason that you're getting crushed, right? No. If you own a principal residence, it's probably not that. It's the only There's reason that you're not homeless or, or you're not going to be like, you, that you'll be it able to retire. It might be the thing that saves you, right? Yeah. <laughs> it might be the thing like, oh crap, I got to pull out all this equity out of yeah. my place and go become a renter because I made this terrible business decision doing this or I, whatever, who knows? I know guys that were uh, putting Bitcoin on credit cards, right? Like, insanity that people were doing stupid things and i don't know i think their houses might actually still at this point be able to bail them out because if you've owned for 10 years like i have here i'm still two and a half times what i paid for it right so there's a lot of those people how, that are how do you know these people who are putting bitcoin on credit cards <laughs> that's what i like to know steve there what circles, are what circles are you in yeah i've heard investments in all sorts of crazy things where people thought they were just going to get rich quick right and you got to get rich slow, right? That's the thing, right? Everybody's into, like, I, I dabble a little bit with, with stocks and stuff and everybody's, you know, looking at tech stocks and how much growth can I get? And I'm just sitting there going, what pays the best dividend? Like I'm that guy, right? I'm like, is there somebody with a five and a half percent dividend? Cause I'm buying as much as that as possible. I don't even care what it's worth. Right. So I don't know. People have different risk tolerances. They think they're going to get rich quick. And I think those are the people that usually get poor even faster. So it's an interesting perspective to be in BC as an agent with with that kind of perspective, right? Because it's a fucking banana festival out there. Like, it's just crazy. I I don't understand that Vancouver or BC market. Like, I mean, and I know we don't produce. You're coming to me for that? No, but so here's something I want to discuss because it's been on my mind a lot lately is, okay, so Toronto... You know, we, we're a financial capital of the country for whatever that's worth. We used to have like a good manufacturing sector. We don't really do much that like other than than financial these days. Um, BC, I don't have a clue other than I guess some some wood forestry. What the hell you guys do other than, you know, import people that bring bags and bags of actual cash yeah. uh, and like the casinos. Uh, Alberta, I kind of understand how they kind of go up and down with the oil market. Yeah. Why is Saskatchewan not like Dubai? Like, why is it not like the biggest boom town in the world? Who doesn't always need food, right? Like, how is that An energy, province, yeah. right? Like energy and food. How is that just like not acting like at least BC? I mean, I'm from... Ontario. So I think we're the best and we should be what we are, but like one of us needs to be replaced by something that produces something. Don't we? You know what? You just, um, you just reminded me of something. I actually put this on my channel as one of those silly like survey things. And, uh, it, it says it's 128 votes. It says what's stopping you from moving out of the GVRD or the GTA to a more affordable part of Canada. That was the question. It's got 128 votes on it. Uh, leading the way at 35% is jobs and opportunities, right? Second, second place, 27%. Uh, Weather. Minus 35 degree winters everywhere else in the country. Right. Right. Are keeping me there. Because Toronto, I mean, you guys get bloody cold, but you're pretty far south. So, you know, it's not nearly as cold as a lot of places. And we don't get like, we are here in, in BC. I'm five degrees all year round, right? Like basically that's what it feels like, right? December 31st, it can be five degrees, July 30th, or sorry, not nah, July 30th, July 1st this year, it was like five degrees, right? So we're, we're good. Uh, proximity of family was keeping people from not moving. Amenities and lifestyle was 13%. And then 4, 4% said, I don't like change. Right. But, <laughs> I like and I'm in option. that boat, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's something strange as Canadians. Honest though. answer. We, as Canadians, we feel it's our right to live within 15 kilometers of the hospital we were born at. 
and we will never move and we don't want to move. The Americans are fantastic at like they move everywhere. You, they move you want to everywhere give me and every four month. grand more. You want to give me four grand more? I'm moving my whole family out there. Call you yeah. all. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And they'll do it. And they have massive discrepancies in things like taxes in between states and lifestyle and, and political exactly. beliefs in between states. So they yeah. can pick up and go. So you customize you get, your lifestyle basically based on the state that you live in. Like, but yeah. are we are we fixed here because of our family ties? The aviation industry is really big. The weather patterns, uh, you know, job opportunities being so all those reasons that Steve's poll were, were were given for people who are you know why they're not moving don't exist as much in the states. Think about it. Right. There's reasons why, why so people, willing to move away. There's from a lot of families. people who don't want to move to the Midwest. There's a lot of people who don't want to move to like the Atlantic parts where it's a lot colder. Like there's places like that where people are like, no, it's too cold. I'm not going there. But like in the Sun Belt or like, you know, California, Arizona, wherever those areas, like people are just hovering around all day long over there. If we could all pick between Southern California, uh, Manhattan, uh, Nashville or Denver, we might be picking mm -hmm. up and moving too, depending on All what four. we're doing, right? But we're yeah. probably we're picking between, you know, the East Coast, the prairies, or the West Coast. And like mm -hmm. you say, I'm still not sure what we do out here on the West Coast either. We've got a ton of people. The difference here, though, I find is like there's everybody's like the average Canadian can't afford this. No, the average Canadian can't afford Vancouver. However, my clients that I'm dealing with, household incomes, like uh, a low household income is $150,000, right? And it's not uncommon to find two people both making 200 or 250 each, right? So mm -hmm. is that unaffordable? Well, it is for the dude that's, you know, working at Home Depot, or it is for the dude that's maybe making 20 bucks an hour doing whatever labor job, but it's not for so many of the people that are working here. One thing I've found on my channel is so many people that have reached out over the last two years that I've helped import into uh, Surrey and, and the Fraser Valley surrounding areas, for some reason, tech workers, uh, work from home tech workers from multiple different parts of Canada. And they're like, I'm sick of the weather here because they're not originally Canadian. Right. So they're coming from India or they're coming from other areas, um, you know, Sri Lanka or all these different spots. And they've been like, okay, they dropped me into whatever city to get a job, even into Toronto. And they're like, oh, no, you don't go from living in India your life to, you know, Toronto winters. That's not happening. So where else can I go? Well, the only real option, Vancouver, right? We're the only guys that don't go below zero in the whole country, I would assume, for, for most of the winter, right? What's the tech market like in Vancouver? Uh, mix of everything. We've even got people here before Facebook took a dump that their head office is, you know, San Francisco, but they have mm. to be in the same time zone. Yeah. Right. I, so, I could think Vancouver would be the tech hub of Canada. There's a lot. There's because, a lot because of its proximity to Seattle. And, and, and I feel like uh, every Valley province has else. like a tech hub of Canada in it. Like isn't mm. Edmonton or downtown Calgary or something, a tech hub, even though it's a yeah, ghost there's town. Big, there's big companies too, right? You got EA sports in Vancouver. You got a bunch of different, there, there are big companies that a lot of people don't think of. Um, and then there's just a, I don't know. I seem to find I'm the IT guy for my company I've never heard of before. Okay. What does the IT guy do? He sits at home and does IT, right? For some company that you and I, and we got no idea what the hell they do, but they're multi-billion dollar corporations, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's tons of that here. Absolutely. You know, what's so funny an observation I just thought about. If someone says to me, they're moving to Vancouver from Toronto, like they could be selling like a, 1.5 million dollar bungalow my first thought is always man it's expensive over there right like daryl is that not true like if someone said that they're moving to vancouver aren't you immediately thinking like that those real estate prices are expensive no mike i was just wondering why okay no problem imagine what it feels <laughs> like when they're moving from winnipeg or saskatchewan yeah. well, or that, yeah. other parts of ontario sticker or shock Maritimes. is sticker shock is a problem so it is kind of strange like where i am i'm 35 minutes outside of the city uh vancouver is expensive vancouver wasn't we're sim very similar to brampton right how if far are you out of the city about 35 minutes you're comparing right. yourself to Brampton. Yeah, I want to hear place. this. Like, there's some oh, better play. Like, no, no, no. Whippy. Tell me. Is, are you talking proximity? You could be, or, you could or be like Newmarket. Level of standards of loans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both. We oh, are really? very similar. We are a very similar market. Oh, yeah. Um, 
having never been to Brampton only actually this all comes from listening to you guys on your stupid show every day so (laughs) (laughs) but no no no, very similar to get advice from I would say demographics are are very very similar all right um and I I don't know I'm totally off pace here I don't even know what the hell we were talking about okay so Surrey Surrey is not not uh Vancouver and obviously Surrey is for sure not Vancouver it is the um if we're allowed to use this term anymore redheaded stepchild of the area right like it, it literally is but it's where everybody lives yeah so right what's it's, price can in comparison to vancouver like percentage wise down uh vancouver is doing much better for sure so our market went not, like not as far as sales i mean pricing uh let me i'll pull it up i actually got it open um yeah, Bre- so, would be easily on average you know uh how six seventy percent cheaper Right? Uh, average detached house in Toronto versus average detached house in Brampton, it would be a big difference. 70% cheaper or 30%? 60 or 70%, right? Take so 1.8 we, million. <clears throat> what we didn't see million? was... Isn't the, Brampton the, like 1.6 million average right now? No. Okay, so Vancouver at uh, right now, uh, almost 2.6 for the average detached. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. And, uh, and the sorry. city of Surrey, the actual city of Surrey property, almost 1.8. Oh, wow. Significant. So that's like yeah. uh, 33% lower. Now, here, here's the difference, too. When you're in Toronto, you're going, okay, what am I getting for uh, my house, right? I'm going to buy a house in the city of Toronto. What are we? 25 foot lot, 120 years old, right? Like here in, in my market, mm-hmm. in my market, the average house, 6,000 square foot lot, 3,500 square foot house, including basement. Right. So we're not even comparing really apples to apples. Same thing in Vancouver. You go into Vancouver, the 30 foot lots everywhere. Right. There's the densities happening here, but it's, it's kind of, you're kind of comparing different things. Cause you say, I'm going to get a house. Well, yeah, you can get a detached house. Yeah. For probably almost the same price in both, but one's a hundred years old on a tiny little postage stamp. And the other ones probably got rental help coming out of the basement or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. So it's, it's hard to compare. And yeah, my, I my do find it. Way off there. I do find when I visit in Toronto and I look at the prices there, I do find that Toronto, the city, is actually more affordable than Vancouver, the city, for sure. Um, I'm actually looking at some of the downtown stuff, going, "Hey, this ain't too bad, right?" Like it, in Toronto, it's like you can still live in the city um, without being insane. Where detached homes on the west side of Vancouver, like I was up in Whistler a couple of weeks ago, and man. I was like, oh, let's let's look at what this this real estate's worth up here. We're walking by this little like 1960s A-frame ski shack, right? Pull it up on my phone because it's got a sold sign on it. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that went for. I'm thinking like this is insane. This is gonna be like hold on. Did you go on to your 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 tra- what's it called there? Uh, <clears> we have something called Home Spotter here. Or, or did you go on like House Sigma or like the equivalent? No, I don't like any of those public okay. facing but you went on the actual one that's so i went on my realtor you? app and i found yeah. out and i was like oh this is going to be insane it's going to be two and a half million dollars for this little 4500 square foot lot with a little like 1200 square foot a-frame 3.6 million Whoa. so i'm just like wow up there it's it's absolute insanity right there's there are people that are so much richer than the three idiots on this call right, right. like we don't like, we, we don't understand understand <laughs> yeah, like, um it's so crazy. i have a I, I heard, uh, I have a connection to somebody that does a uh, bunch of stuff in finances and they were actually talking to somebody downtown at one of the big department stores. One of the big department stores downtown has, uh, you can basically rent it out and they have these millionaires come in, throw parties and you can go into Holt Renfrew and just your party is your friends get a shopping spree at Holt Renfrew. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there's no shortage of these bookings, right? These are five hundred thousand dollar afternoon parties. Like we don't, we don't know what this no means. No one's invited me to those before. Exactly. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I don't know. I have we're, we're the guys going. Hey, are you guys open? What's going on here? <laughs> Can I use the bathroom? Excuse I, me. I, I have something for, for you, Daryl, because I actually do uh, listen to this show. I listen to this show. I don't watch it. I listen to it every week. Thank um, you. You. you talk about appraisals like crazy and i have four Uh, different appraisal stories for you first give it give it up first uh i flat out was asked what the sale price was by an appraiser two weeks ago (laughs) 
flat out in a was text message on that, that, is, that is due diligence that was conditional but, yeah okay that is due diligence right. right so flat out asked me what it was i got an email from a company this week about something called desktop appraisals we'll have it back to you in two to four hours oh yes right that was one i had another appraiser actually this was a really good appraiser because i met him at the property and he came to me and he said look there's no sales you're the professional here what do you need this at in order to actually get it sold? Because I, my paperwork right now says $200,000 more than I know what you're going to sell for. Right. So he, he actually asked, so that I actually view that as like, okay, that's proper, maybe market research, maybe skewing it a little bit, but he's got no evidence when with zero sales and the market's down 15%, mm -hmm. you know, what are you just do speculating? There? And so it just becomes throwing a dart at the dartboard. So, and then I had the best one yesterday which was i need to get in you're the listing agent can you let me get in for an appraisal and i said uh sorry to tell you but this property closed yesterday <laughs> and they're so like busy. well i've been asked to get in for an appraisal and i'm like really what's going on so i went back and forth with the guy i'm like no you can talk to the new owners about an appraisal if they need one but they the, the mortgage funded yeah and that gets us to a spot where i now know or pretty sure i know that so many of these homes are closing with private short-term money mm -hmm. yeah. so they can get in because it's easier to get a mortgage once you already own the home than it is for a purchase. But you don't think that that private guy wanted an appraisal? Yeah, but they got it done and, and those Depends. appraisals are much less, you know, stringent. Maybe use that desktop guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh man. I, I, I have, listen, I shouldn't and I won't, but like, you can do a lot of things with appraisers. So hold on. So tell me. So you you know my point of view about appraisers. Look, I think appraisers are great people, and they're like they're doing what they are incentivized to do. I mean, my whole thing is that the incentives in the entire industry are completely fucking out of line with reality, or at least helping people buy a home, anyways. Right? Like all the incentives are designed for this frenzy to to occur, but. Like, well, no, 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 no. We've got a cooling off period now. Oh, yes, let's talk about that. We've got a right. cooling yeah. off okay. period Hold now. On, we, we, I forgot. You didn't NDP, even take a bite out of appraisers. Hold on. We'll get NDP back to this. The government. I'm not here to shit talk people. Just, uh, yeah. Leave just them to alone, shit talk Dale. in general. Um, the NDP has saved the people <laughs> and home buyers of British Columbia by putting in a three-day cooling off period. So yes, that makes perfect affordable sense. Affordable housing is coming back to you. Yep. Thank God. Nothing, nothing would have possible. No successful uh, transaction would have happened without this three day cooling off period. Just people, people are not responsible. They can't make their own decisions. Nobody okay. does due diligence. The system hasn't been working perfectly for the last hundred years. You guys needed a three day cooling period. And you're also Especially not going to enter into a contract in sound mind and be responsible for yourself again. Right. No, that would be it, it's up totally to you. uncalled for. Yeah, and no, no, no. if if you could time the entry of this into the system with perfection, yeah. like did they nail it or what? Like this is the perfect timing. Yeah. Can, can we put the cooling off period in the coolest market the we've cooling, seen in the last six years, yeah. please? Winter yeah. is here. Let's add some ice. So just <laughs> give us the, the Coles notes on the, the policy. That's oh, all there is available. Don't worry. If you want the whole thing, I'll give it to you. Um, the Coles notes are the policy because it's about this long. <laughs> <clears throat> it's it's stupid. So this kind of broke down. I was actually at a, uh, a Maple Leafs game. I don't know if you've heard of this team, Toronto Maple Leafs. I was at a game last November when I got the ding on my phone. And I was like, oh, what is this? Uh, NDP announces uh, cooling off period in BC. That's it. Then the next day, they realize, oh crap, maybe we should consult with people that know what the heck they're talking about. Right. So that's when they start. So they just announced it with no details. And then obviously the BCREA, that's the realtor association, you know, up in arms. Hey, this doesn't make sense. Like you guys don't know what you're doing. Everybody thinks realtors are just trying to protect their jobs, but you know, we kind of know how a transaction comes together. Um, and then they said, okay, well now we're going to go to the BCSFA, which is the governing body uh from the government and they're going to put together a report find out how this whole thing works cool so they spent six months they did that about a three weeks ago a month ago they sent their report to the finance minister and they published it like 
25 million gazillion recommendations about what should be done in this, in this whole thing. And I love whoever's at the BCFSA. I absolutely love you because they trolled the realtors so hard. They had all their recommendations and then the realtors made their recommendations. And then the report had both sets of recommendations. So they were like, we're also going to do whatever the realtors tell us to do. So like they doubled up on the rules, right? So they sent that report in and then we get the official announcement from the government. Here's how it's going to work. And it's about this long. Starting January 1st, it's three days long when you don't have conditions in your offer. And there is a point zero two five whatever minuscule amount of, of penalty should you exercise it. $250 per $100,000 of purchase price. They did not take into consideration all their own recommendations from their own governing body, right? All the other things, mandatory yeah. property disclosure statements to protect the buyer, all that stuff. Yeah, we, like they didn't read the report. Actually, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they didn't read the report. Oh, yeah, why would they read the now. report? They're only so, supposed to. There's a lot of pages the there. There's a lot of recommendations. So here's, here's my thing. So it basically says this is it. And I'm thinking, okay, well, is it now, if there is a condition and if it's a one day condition, does that mean the cooling off period doesn't come in? Or is everybody just going to write four day conditions now? Because my understanding is if you have a condition, not only does it not apply, but you get out of the penalty. Perfect. So everybody Four writes hour condition. Everybody writes uh, three day and one hour conditions, maybe, and there's no penalty. I don't know, but whatever that is, and maybe that's like an overriding thing. You still have three days. Okay, that's cool. How do I get the money? You back out in that three days. How do I get the money? Well, your deposit less. Your offer comes with an envelope. My deposit's two hundred bucks. What, yeah, but you guys pay deposit on accepted offer. Except we pay offer. deposit upon firm offer. Upon firm offer? What? Deposit Deposit comes what? 24 hours after firm offer in most cases in BC. Mm. So <laughs> they're already protected. What? They're, it's actually easier, right? So this yeah. actually now puts the buyer in a worse position yeah. than they were in originally if they had conditions. Yeah. Right? So you guys what accept I... an offer without a deposit there? Stupidest thing ever. Yes. No money is changed hands upon acceptance at all. Now, here's the way to think about it. Now, uh, realtors immediately go in back in November when they announced it. Um, within four seconds, uh, a realtor friend of mine, Jeff in New West, who uh, good YouTube channel, by the way, you should check it out. Um, he put something out that said, is a, uh, what is it? All a non-refundable, Deposit direct to seller the new firm offer. Non-refundable direct mm -hmm. to seller deposit. Upon acceptance. That's the new unconditional. So I just beat out your uh, stupid three-day clock. Like it exactly. took a realtor four seconds yeah. to figure out a way around this. Yeah. Right. I may not have to close, but you're pretty sure that I'm not going to wave yeah, that. So if the market mission. is that hot and I show up with a hundred grand with Daryl's name on it, Here's, your, here's the check, bank draft, whatever. I know I've got my three-day cooling off period, but you don't have to give me back my hundred grand. Guess who just bought the house? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's all stupid. Uh, heaven forbid the government doesn't know what they're doing in the housing sector, um, but they're just trying to win votes. And I think right now they're doing it yeah. quite nicely in, in BC. Yeah. We, uh, we, you know, we, we knew that right away when that was announced, that that was going to be a flawed, all the ideas that you came up with, I haven't heard today. Uh, or your, your, your friends have, but um, I knew that there was going to be something and we were all saying the same thing here in the Toronto, uh, you know, uh, annals of, of real estate chatter, but um, we're just afraid that the Ontario government is going to be stupid and copy BC because we did that with the non-resident speculation tax. So it's kind of like worked uh, like what? Right? We're all like, oh, shoot. I mean, uh, we just expanded our, our speculation tax last week. We expanded it to a bunch of different areas. However, Tofino, Gulf Islands, and Whistler somehow exempt. Strange how mm. that works. Mm. Strange mm. how that works. The richest vacation properties and just exempt. You think yeah. any of the uh, officials have places in those areas? 
the people the people who live in those areas people who live in those areas donating to the politicians uh campaigns and so they're saying look we we need that for money over here and that's where the speculation tax is actually devastating those areas the most because in a place like whistler half of the businesses are shut down because everything is airbnb and none of the workers can find accommodation if you want a job in whistler your requirement to get a job is to have a residence my in cousin, Whistler, my cousin just worked there. Like my cousin's son just worked there. He was about 20 and uh-huh. yeah, he was living on like a single mattress in like a dorm style type of place to yeah. be teaching snowboarding on Whistler. He just came back. Yeah. There wasn't like, you don't get an apartment. You know, it's usually like five, six guys to a one bedroom and they take turns sleeping. Uh, off, a lot of guys are starting to share vans. Right. And that's got to suck in the middle of winter, right? Share in a van? I'd share a van. I'd be, oh, I'd be doing it. I'd, the I'd three be, of us should I'd do that next Right at next the bottom winter. of the hill. We should all just buy a let's van. T- let's yeah. do a cross-country YouTube tour in a van. <laughs> right? We'll stop in every major city, Daryl, interviewing live shows with all of Visiting our, all uh, of our new YouTube friends. friends. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. You can that get a job in Whistler. Great. All you we'll need is to start to sleep a, fun, a GoFundMe. I'm sure, I'm sure my wife would love it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back in six weeks. I think I think my daughter, who's 19, would consider living in a van. Like, there's definitely this that? younger generation. Um, how do I feel about that? Well, <laughs> I mean, listen, she's considering lots of things these days. But, like, I hope she's smart enough to at least be okay with a bachelor which okay let's get into the rents in both of our cities um the the like for my 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 daughter's 19 my son's gonna be 16 in a in a few weeks and i'm like have to buy them something or like i don't care if prices are coming down i don't even care if they're coming down to 2000s levels like by the time my kids are ready prices are higher than they are now for sure mm-hmm. so like you, you literally have to start thinking about your kid's future or you have to start explaining to them that there's nothing wrong with renting. And so when we look at the rental market, there is something wrong with renting. It's fucking impossible to find a nice place that you can afford in the rental market too. So as, as a father, this is where you're further down that road than I am. This is probably where we need to set expectations because i mean we do this i'm sure tk probably does this with all of his first-time buyers as well you walk into a property with a first-time buyer and of course dad's there with his thumbs in his belt loops saying all what's wrong with the property going oh this isn't good enough for my little girl and all this stuff right and then i always just do this i just just look at him and go what was your first place like and they always tell me how it was a rat infested you know 800 square foot one bedroom rancher and all this stuff and i'm like yeah, this is the equivalent to that now. This little bachelor suite or this one-bedroom apartment is that. Is that. So you're a better person, dad, because you went through the struggles of appreciating your new purchase now and or, or eventually getting there. Like your little baby girl isn't going to walk into the 4,000 square foot house and purchase that for first time out, 100%. But can they still get to a spot where they can own a property by 25 years old that is an entry-level property? And it may not be in the either the best area or it may be a little further away from dad's house than, you know, they, they want it to be or, or dad wants it to be. But it's part of getting, uh, Daryl's like, maybe I want her as far away as possible. Um, <laughs> but oh, maybe man. like there, there's some point if you want her close, like this is a, a dad problem. And I think we all have to, I've got two girls. I'm going to get to a spot where I'm in this spot too, but it's like, you have to push them out and you have to be like, look, this is what you can afford. It's a piece of shit. And mm-hmm. your whole life from now on should be, how do I get out of this piece of crap? How do I because, get out of this? Yeah. because if you're, let's call it, I don't know, four years down the road, five years down the road, and you didn't buy, do you want to start in that piece of crap at that point? Yeah. Right. It's not like you're saving a hundred thousand dollars a year. If you don't buy, it's not like you're saving $20,000 a year if you don't buy. So you got to get into whatever you can at 5% down, start killing that mortgage and know that the average person stays in their first place for four years. Yeah. Pay the bills for four years, figure out your life, get used to having responsibilities. And then we'll talk about getting something a little bit more suitable, right? Like that's just the path that everybody, everybody took. 
But first has to cut. Like, how do you save money? How do you rent nowadays and save money when you're you want the young? best? You want the best trick ever? Do you charge? Um, do you charge your kids rent? Are your kids both working? Are they listening? <laughs> no, they're definitely not listening. They may okay, play the so video. One of them might do no, some neither. of the editing on the show, Steve. So yeah, be careful. Okay, so might, here's how it went in like my house. Edited out. And my mom uh, was a hard ass. And I, I thank her for it every day as being an adult now. It went, it went like this. The second I turned 18 and I was no longer in high school, because I'm a moron, I didn't go to college. I got a sure. job, right? And I was charged rent. And I don't know if you know this, but in BC, your mom's rent doesn't apply to the Residential Tenancy Act. So she got to, up, <laughs> she got to update the rent whenever she wanted. And she uh, made it painful for me to live there. Nice. She kept like just ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up. So much so that I moved out. My brother Meals. bought a house. I actually, I'm guessing I'm guessing you made it equally painful to live in that house. Hang on, hang yeah. on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> what? Maybe. But there's a there's a point to this whole thing. So she made it so painful that I moved out. I went and rented a little bit. Actually, rented with my my brother. I rented a room off of him for a bit because <clears throat> it was you know financially no better off to live there. But when I went <laughs> to buy a house, yeah, my mom went. Do you think I really needed that money? And I was like, no. And she handed me back all of the rent that I had paid Ooh, from 18 nice to 21, 22 years old. And she hands me like 10 grand and it helped made you know, it, it got me into that first place. Right. Wow. So it taught me that I got to pay my bills. It taught me, I don't want to live in a place that, you know, it sucks to get my rent turned up all the time and all that. And it taught me that, holy crap, being financially responsible is awesome because it already paid me back, right? Like paying her, she put it aside. I'm not saying be tough on your kids and, and charge the money and then go spend that on, you know, Daryl goes for drinks uh, on Friday night, put that aside. And then when your kid goes, you know what, at 24 years old, I'd really like to figure out how to get into this real estate game. Cause you know, my dad's done so well off of it over the years. You can go, you know what? I think that's really smart. Here you go. Right. I'm going to help you get there as well. And then after that, you don't got to give them another damn thing for the rest of their life. Cause within five years, they're going to be richer than you ever thought possible because they own real estate. Bitcoin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Real estate. <laughs> they Bitcoin. <laughs> my, you know what? My daughter. That's since, a great story. That's a great story. I like it. Since birth, I've been programming my daughter that she wants to be a princess of real estate. And she used to walk around everywhere going, I'm going to be a princess of real estate. And nobody knew what she meant. But now she's actually getting her realtor's license. Like she's really into real estate. But where is she going to make more money? Owning. Where is she going to make owning real 100%, estate? 100%. 100%. Yeah. I've got her. I'm like, you need to find like a little six, seven, eight unit place that you kind of like the area and figure out how to put the deal together where you can live in one of the units. Like that's going to be mm -hmm. your first assignment. I have a friend that's a realtor right now that actually has done that. So he owns multiple properties, Whistler. Hawaii. And so he bought a, uh, uh, apartment block in Vancouver. And because it's only one title, it's purpose-built rental. There's no speculation tax because seven of the units are rented out. Mm. So he avoided speculation tax by owning in Whistler, Vancouver, and he also owns in Hawaii. So Amazing. beautiful, pretty smart move. Amazing. Good, good, uh, way to cap off the show, Steve, or we've come to that time. We really appreciate it. Uh, really good insights. I think that, you know, you've been great for the channel. You're one of the friends. You're our Vancouver specialists. We're hoping to get you back on again soon. Um, where can people find you? Uh, the regular channel is my last name, Karish, uh, Karish Real Properties. That's my YouTube channel. So if you want to hear more stupid stories like I've told here, uh, go there. Um, and uh, we, Tom and I, Tom Story and I started our, our own podcast, which I'm actually really happy with so far. I'm shocked people yep. want to listen to my, my stupid ass talk. Uh, so if you want to check out the Tom Story show, uh, also on YouTube and, and I don't know, Spotify and all the other places. It's a great, great listen. Yep. Add, add another pod to everybody's, uh, you know. Are you guys, pod sorry, I don't know if I want to keep you guys. Are you guys like podcast listeners or do you just like talking shit? I listen to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I watch a lot of YouTube. 
Yeah. I, I listen job. to a little bit. I watch a little bit of YouTube for different things, but I yeah. listen to podcasts too. Yeah. 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 I'm just like, it was, people ask me like, Oh, what do you like to listen to? I'm like, dude, I, music doesn't exist in my world. It's, it's information in constantly. So yeah, absolutely. that's why I'm keep- glad. That's why I started listening to you guys because it was like, I, I like the fact that I can hear other people talking about the stuff that I'm involved in every day. And there was no real uh, avenue for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why, that's why we're doing it. We're trailblazers, baby. TK, we are trailblazing. You guys are uh, setting us up. We're, awesome. we're, we're getting a van and we're traveling coast to coast. All right. Go, baby. All right. Yeah. There's a spot in my driveway for you when you get here. I love it. Van, I think we should get a blimp. The Canadian real estate show blimp and just fly. Well, we're really going to need to go fund me now. Next That's week's background. Serious. Yeah. The blimp in the background. And, okay, so we ask everybody at the end of the show, what do you think is going to be in the near term in this market? We already know your answer, but near term. How, ba- in, in how bad market? are these rates going to get? When are they going to reverse? Do we see anything changing in the next by the end of the year? What's the what's the story look like by end of year? Uh, no rate hike in December, maybe or for sure September, maybe November. We're not sure. Um, if they turn them down again, which I fear they may, that's actually not good. Uh, but yeah, price decreases till the end of the year, till we normalize, till we get to a spot where people are like, okay, this makes sense again. And then the doom and gloom hopefully wears off and you keep going. Just This is not, I think the message for anybody in real estate that's trying to sell right now is like, this is not a let's try and sell market. This is a, I'm going to sell market. I need to sell market. Um, and then for the buy side, the wait and see thing is where everybody is. And uh, I just think it's stupid to wait and see. I think you need to plan to what makes sense. Because just waiting and seeing, you can do that forever. And it's a fear statement. There's no point in doing it. So what you need to do is you need to say, hey, this is where it makes sense. This home at this price at this interest rate makes sense. That's when I'm going to jump in. And there's a very good chance you're going to get to that within the next three to four months. Beautiful. You heard it here, folks. We if love you're it. Actually, listening. <laughs> if you Steve, make it this deep, if you've made it this deep, and you're some a human, people do. Not, we know. We know some people are still there. there Maybe they fell asleep. There, but somebody's listening. Some people fall asleep, but there are actually a decent amount of you still listening, and we love Perfect you. Perfect timing. My coffee. You. My coffee is done. Perfect time. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks once for joining again, us, Steve. Perfect timing by this group on the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody, Mr. TK. Sayonara. Sayonara, baby. New on Curiosity Stream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.